CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello, listeners. Today, I'm pleased to share with you the third episode of NFT All-Stars, an original, experimental, eye-opening animated series from Coindesk. In this show, we mix some of the most important names in the emerging world of tokenized ownership with top talent, whose growing involvement will help define it in the years to come. You are listening to the podcast version, where we share extended cuts of our interviews built just for audio. On today's show, entrepreneur, artist, and co-founder of Rockefeller Records, Damon Dash digs into the business of art and how NFTs are already changing it. Today's episode features special guest host Ed Young, who in 1988 co-founded the iconic hip-hop magazine known as The Source, and has done a lot of stuff since then, along, of course, with Jason R. Bailey, also known as Art Gnome. Enjoy the show. This episode of NFT All-Stars is sponsored by TurboTax Live and Metapurse.fund. I was just approached about it. And to be honest, Waka Flocka had put me onto it in a phone call months ago. Like, you don't know about NFTs? You know, you got to start looking at approaching things a little bit younger. There's a whole thing going on out there, that kind of thing. And then I started looking under the hood and I like the potential and the freedom that the NFT world gives you. So, you know, me, or maybe you don't know, but I've been opening up art galleries for the last 10 years all around the world from, you know, DD-172 in New York to, you know, King Dusko in Charleston. I had one in Charlotte. I had one in, in Hong Kong, L.A., you know, Lower East Side. So I've always been making art. And a lot of what I do traditionally is not monetizable because I'm just doing what makes me feel good, what inspires me. And there's, you know, not always a marketplace for those kind of things. But I have them, you know, and a lot of it. So I'm like an art machine. And also, you know, People know me as more of a businessman, but I've become more of an artist. You know, I become Billy Pablo the third. I turn into a rock star. And, uh, you know, everything that my business entails is around art and also capturing moments, which is an art within itself. So I have a lot of those as well. So I like the NFT area, the space. I'm learning more about it every day and, um, you know, figuring out the best way to get in there without getting robbed. So, Damon, I hear you talk about artists not being robbed. And that's been a real issue in hip hop for a long time since, I mean, the beginning, right? And I look at NFTs the same way. Can you talk more about how you see this being a way that artists can keep what's theirs? Well, it gives an alternative. You don't have to just take what's presented to you. So like traditionally in music, they might buy your catalog based on, you know, a multiple of what is earning EBITDA or what is earning per year or per month. You know, it's a multiple based on that straight business. And you have no other alternative but to accept 
that offer based on what they approach you with. But now you can say, okay, maybe the numbers mean this, but I can sell to someone that appreciates the art of it. And there's no middleman. And I don't need a middleman to collect my royalties either. You know, but what's happening, I think, with the NFT world is a lot of people have gotten there first and they're taking advantage of the artists that don't even understand the game. I hear you because I've been looking at this and that's critical. The artists are getting taken advantage of. I was talking to some folks yesterday and artists that we all know, you know, 10 people coming at them. And they have no idea what it is, no idea what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. And so that's what I've been trying to do is help the artists. This is what I was doing, I think, back with the Source magazine, trying to you know, help people navigate. And to me, this is the same kind of thing that we were doing with the Source in the early days, which is taking what hip hop can do, the empowerment of hip hop, and getting that voice out there, getting it mainstream in a way that matters. So what else are you doing? I see you have It's the Rock, you know, which is a whole nother level. So talk about it's going to be gifted to the winner. You know, whoever buys the auction will get that as a gift, like a certificate to commemorate that you actually own something. Is the word gift a critical point legally for how this space works? Well, you know, I think about a month or 90 days ago or whatever, if you sell something and mint it that becomes an asset, then you have to get an agent. And, you know, it's a bunch of that. So, you know, there's a lot of like rules that are happening to try to regulate this platform. And a lot of people are trying to regulate it and control it as well. So I hope it doesn't become, you know, where all these whales or people that are controlling them are manipulating the market and, you know, making it where the real artists are still trying to suffer. It's funny how. The people that aren't pure artists are the ones that are so interested in this and want to control it so much. And that's the fight, like the Internet. You know, once there's an avenue for freedom, then here comes the big man pause, or at least the ones that think they are, to try to control it and make the artists succumb to corporate, which kills the integrity of what they're doing and their soul at all times. So I'm looking at the NFT as a soul protector, hopefully. But I'm going to approach it right. And I don't think you always need a middleman or someone that knows all the whales or blah, blah, blah. You know, it seems to be as easy as setting up a landing page and just figuring out where you want it and what platform you want it sold on. You know what I mean? But if you don't know nothing, you'll think you'll need a bunch of people. So, you know, I've watched you for a long time and you always get into the deep parts of things. And you're saying stuff that's so critical to what decentralization is and what centralization is. And you're just saying it like it's obvious. What you're saying is not obvious to people, my man. It's not. This is the decentralized world. That's why you see all of that promise, right? The freedom. But all of the solutions that are being given to people tend to be centralized. It's like when you made a record, remember albums back in the day, right? And you said, okay, I'm gonna distribute my album only Tower Records knows that you get royalties for that album. It sells in any other store, you don't get anything. That's the solution that's been given to the artist right now. And that's crazy. But nobody's talking about it. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking about it. 
<laughs> but you know, I know. I usually approach things, like you said, in a different way because I'm a person that's always looking for freedom. And I'm a person that can always see when they're trying to take it away. So that's the reason why, you know, I thought it was important to make a statement approaching the NFT world, but I'm still not even sure. You know, I have a lot of other drops, you know, a lot of collaborations. The next one I have is with an artist named Wyland, who does the biggest murals all over the world. He has over a hundred of them. I know Wyland. You know? yeah. yeah, you know Wyland, he's in white. Yeah. So that's my man. So we've already done a piece, a whole collection. And, you know, him and I, you know, he's an artist that makes a million dollars living, breathing now. Not many artists do that. So, you know, that means he has some sort of a business sense. So as we're looking around and thinking about how to do this, we're just like, I'm not giving somebody 20% for that, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you got to understand gas fees and all that. You know what I mean? You really have to know the business before you just jump in it. So, you know, again, I have a collective of artists. That's why I'm like, all my artists, you know, we're just going to be, when I get clicking and really get the game and understand it right, and then it's going to be once a week drops. Not to say just from me, it's from the people I'm around. We're so artistic all day. We got so many things that is considered art. You know what I mean? So we have a gallery. I'm not just doing a drop and trying to get up out of there. I'm going to be a really consistent artist and I'm going to showcase who I am as a person, my point of view, you know, and that's something I haven't really been able to be known for, even though I've been doing it through other people for a long time, pause. But now it's been about me showcasing unapologetically how I feel, my point of view as an artist, even though the way I think there's no tradition for it. You know, there's no marketplace for it but the NFT for my thoughts that become tangible realities. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. When we first started this NFT stuff four years ago, we were all about decentralization, right? And we were like, we're going to cut out the middleman altogether and it's going to be beautiful. But one of the things that we saw is that there's nothing but middlemen in NFT right now. Right. <laughs> exactly. But the reason why I think what we saw evolve, right, was like, if you're a visual artist and no one's buying your work or a musician for that matter, like minting it doesn't magically like make people come running with money, throwing the money at you. Right. And I think what we realize is that you still need some promotion. Right. Like there still needs to be somebody. I don't know if that's curators. You know, you mentioned that you run galleries. You know, what do you see the role of sort of curation and promotion in this new NFT world? Like, what does that look like? And how do we avoid that becoming sort of the people that just, you know, take all the money out of it for the artists? I mean. Again, there's like different levels of consumers at this place. You know, there's those guys that got all that currency, all that crypto from a long time ago that, you know, they're trying to move it around and resell it. And then there's those that are just a regular consumer that are just looking at it. And what you have to understand is, or what you probably do is, what, only 9% of the world is up on this right now? 92% of the world don't even know about this there's going to be a lot of innovative ways people are going to get to make money off this. I'm curious to see how that's going to happen, but there's going to be a lot of innovative ways that people are going to try to control it, you know, and even me, I already saw it happen. I'm like, damn, it got corporate fast. <laughs> it still scares people no matter where it's at. You know what I mean? So I'm seeing what's happening and, um, you know, I'm also understanding how it tracks everything, makes records leaner. And I just feel like the future of everything would probably be through NFTs and it would behoove someone to understand it so they could be in the 1% in that world as opposed to the 99, you know, like where they're at. When the end of the world happened, the corona, you know, you were looking for new ways to make money. You were looking for an answer. And uh, there's always the light in the dark. 
And I looked at the NFT as the light in this big dark because now you can get money also from your crib. And, you know, marketing wise, what's going to have to happen is it's just going to be have to be like, you know, what you guys are probably doing. There has to be a place where people that are really in the NFT world can really get their information and know what's really going on. Like, I also understand that it don't matter how famous you really are in the real world. You know, if in this circle of the NFT community, they're not aware of what your value is and it does not matter. You know, you could have three or four or five million followers, Instagram and Twitter. It doesn't really mean so much NFT, you know, at a certain price point. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I point out Justin Blau, Blau does his stuff. He has 2.5 or so million monthly Spotify listeners. Other artists who have tens of millions, Blau sells $11.3 million worth of product in one drop. Those other artists who have 35 and more millions sell a couple of hundred thousand dollars. Right. It's a different market. Almost nobody in hip hop understands that. You're one of the few who I've heard say that from our community who gets it because we think we can just turn it. That's because I'm from your community. That's what y'all don't know yet. You know? Yes. There you go. I'm a real artist. You know, but again, I haven't been there as long, so I don't understand the ins and outs and the intricacies of it. I don't know where those pockets of whales are or how to get to them. I know a clubhouse will do a little damage, but it doesn't mean you're going to get the whales. It's going to mean you're going to get the ones that want to be in the game and that want to learn how to get in it. But it doesn't mean they're going to get you a sale. You know, so that's really what these middlemen do is they say, I know the whales. You know, I know someone that'll, you know, that kind of thing that'll buy it. And I know that circle. It's like, where's the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal of this shit? So you could just read about it. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> right. I think it's Coindesk, honestly. Uh, that's why I'm here. Yeah, there you go. See? <laughs> so, yeah, so that's what it is. So for me, it's just, you know, I made my own landing page. We started out with OpenSea, but we found that people were fucking with it. You know, I wonder who, you know what I'm saying? So we decided to go foundation we went through foundation and we found that that was better for the independent but again you know sometimes people can try to make an asset so toxic that people might not want to touch it which can get their ass sued but we'll see it's interesting yeah i did nft.hiphop so i did the hip-hop heads with andre leroy davis you know the last word from the source and i ended up going to the near protocol i'm not even on ethereum and the reason for that was because they have royalties on chain. And I wanted to make sure that independent of the market contract, the royalties are on the chain so that the artist will always get paid, except for some edge cases. You know, if people really want to rip you off, they're going to rip you off. But for the honest people, you put the royalties on chain. This is where we need to talk, Dame. That's different. And that's what we really need because. We're going to do the same thing again where we had all the indie labels and then they got bought by corporate and everything got centralized. That's what's really happening. Are you saying as far as tracking the royalties on the chain, like if you buy it on one platform, because I know this was also an issue that was coming up, that you, know, you can't track it on another platform. Is that what you mean? Correct. That's exactly what I mean. I know there was um, a group, Eureka, that was hitting me up that was actually doing their version of certifying them or something like that. Right. Yeah. But yet again, it's centralized. So you got to go through them and you got to add their thing into it. That's not decentralized. That's using somebody else who's going to have all the power to track. Right. Well, you know, I guess that's the issue. I feel like 
this thing is kind of new and that there will be innovations, but that's definitely an issue because, you know, someone could just generate another one on another platform and, uh, you know, bootleg. And it's happening a lot. Or you sell directly. I mean, look, Brand Nubian sold how many records? We'll never know. That was the most bootleg record I'd ever seen, remember? And I think they were multi-platinum, but they just got gold. Wow. I always thought they went platinum. They may have eventually, but they had so much bootlegging, it was crazy. Yeah. Well, one of the other things that I like about this is that you can give a 360 experience. You know, and what I was thinking about was, you know, in my brain when you said that, there's no game that you can play where bootlegging doesn't come into the play. It's just bootlegging is a part of it. So you always have to look at the light in the dark. So I would always look at the bootlegging as advertisement. And I was like, at least back then, they didn't own any of your show. Because now there's 360 deals where it's like, you know, they're going to take your show as well. So you can't look at the album sale as a lost leader, which it really is back then, because you're putting so much money up to make it and to break it. You know what I mean? So to, to make your money back, you had to just go gold because it cost a million dollars just to come out regardless. You know what I mean? And then they gonna hit you with some more debt, another loan, so you could always work it off and always have to work for them. You know what I mean? Just a bigger loan. But that's why you see the promise of NFTs because that breaks that cycle. You can go directly to your fans, your supporters. Exactly. And then you have to reapproach the value of the catalog. Because before it was only based on EBITDA or based on what it was selling. Now you have to say, but what about the NFT valuation of that? Uh, yeah, you said that earlier at the top of this conversation. Explain that to people, because that's something people really don't understand. The catalog value. And so it happened to me. You know, someone offered me a million and a half for mine because they've been cooking the books and, you know, devaluing it. And I had another option. And it really, really shook up the world. Really did. A million and a half just because you've been sitting down and you haven't been promoting it and it only makes this much a year and you think that's what I would do. Let me go and bring it over here and see that's someone that really appreciates this as an art that really wants this pay for it. It's just, you know, in business, if you only have one person that's going to buy what you're going to sell, then you have to sell it at that price. If you have an alternative, if they know that you could take it someplace else, then they got to raise that price. People think unusual circumstances mean complicated taxes. But for TurboTax Live experts, that's what makes things interesting. Maybe you inherited a condo and are renting it out. Or maybe you're getting paid in crypto and aren't sure how it's taxed. TurboTax Live can now match you with the right expert who has experience in your unique situation. They can answer all of your tax questions or can even take care of the whole filing process for you. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more. You do your thing. They've got your taxes. Intuit TurboTax Live. What do you guys think about sort of the DAOs and this idea of like fractionalization? So to your point, Damon, about if you're stuck with one buyer versus like lots of buyers, how are you thinking about that? That's just like making it like a personal stock, which is cool. But, you know, there's all these FDA and this, that and the third. So, again, it just becomes a hairy situation. But if I could break that one third down into one you know, share a piece for a certain amount, I'd probably make way more money. And, you know, everything happens for a reason. You know, like I said, I see the light in the dark, so maybe it just wasn't time. Or, you know, it isn't time, but it's still for sale, you know. And the point that I was proving is, yeah, you could go to court, you could say what you want, 
but you're not going to say I can't sell my third. You can make up what you want. You could pretend that I tried to sell all of it when you know I didn't, you know, which is concerning to me, you know, the lying and all of that. But it also shows me that in business, even the people that used to be honorable will cheat and lie on you to discredit you for them or for them to have some sort of self-preservation, you know, and it's disappointing, but it's human nature. And it's already infected this NFT world. So I'd say watch out for it. And as artists, see, a lot of times artists talk, you know, indie and this, that, and the third because they have no option. So, you know, now that the NFT is there and there's money involved, please, artists, stay true to your guns. Just because you get money now, don't turn into one of them because I didn't and I won't. So when you talk about your third for folks like me that maybe don't know the whole story or the background, can you just give a little bit of the background on that? I was selling my third of Rockefeller Inc., which I own, which Rockefeller Inc. owns Reasonable Doubt and all the rights to it. So, you know, for some reason over there, I don't know what kind of deals was done, but I guess we'll find out. You know, me selling my interest is something that's not a good thing for them. I don't know why. I'm very curious about it. I can't wait for a one-on-one conversation. But instead of friends calling each other, they want to start suing each other and do exactly what they want us to do, culturally fight each other while other people watch for their entertainment. Instead of looking at our oppressor, they want us to fight each other. And that's a plan. And I hate being a victim of that plan in the biggest way. So the one thing that I'd be preaching is the same shit I'm dealing with. And the test is how do I deal with it? You know, just because someone that's supposed to be my brother swinging on me, does it mean I swing back? Yes, I got to defend myself, but it's still embarrassing. You know, it's not what we want. So it would be a better way to figure this thing out. I got other shit to do. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And if this is about artist freedom, this is a good place to start from, right? You know, when you need to get in the block is the best way to enter something. If you're fighting for the right shit, this isn't trolling and this isn't negative. This is, yo, I'm trying to show the world because I know that me, I'm a very influential person within my community and culture. If they see me doing NFTs and they weren't paying attention, they're paying attention now. So a lot of times I got to be the sacrificial lamb for a lot of shit, a whole lot of shit. But I'll do that for my culture. And thank you for that. That's real. That's real. And it's important because this is a revolution. NFTs are a revolution for creatives, for all of the artists out there. But I know you feel it like I feel it. It's at risk. It's going to go the same way it's always gone if we're not careful. Let me tell you, when I first heard about NFTs, I literally had conversations for like 12 hours a day for like weeks trying to understand and listening to lengthy explanations and double talk. (laughs) It sounded like lawyers trying to talk. So I needed some dumb contract. I don't understand and them to write it. And that's what didn't feel right. So within something pure, you always have to immediately watch the unpurest. They're going to kind of kind of come and it up. So if the person fighting the most isn't an artist, then you know that's the evil one, you know? And if you're fighting the artist, because you look at it, why would a billionaire be trying to sue me? I'm supposed to be the broke envy guy. What the fuck you got to get from me? So what's so dangerous about that, you know? So you got to look for that. Okay, so let's dig in here. I look at it. I saw the issue that was thrown back at you was the copyright ownership, not the ownership. Listen, this was the issue. They accused me of trying to sell the whole thing. Inclusive of copyright. 
any whatever the whole thing i wasn't trying to ever sell the whole thing right there was nothing that ever reflected that not a piece of work or nothing and then super farm shitted on me i'm not gonna lie they're the ones that probably sent the shit to them from what i understood because that's where the breach came and then what was sent to them didn't even reflect that i was trying to sell all of it and then they just went missing they just left so what were you selling i'm still selling my one third of rockefeller inc the revenue stream, right? Everything. I was well. I can sell just that, but you know that's what comes with it. So it's like royalty exchange, right? One hundred percent royalty exchange. Yeah, but it's not based on actually what the royalty generating. It's based on how much you evaluate as art. Like paintings don't have royalties like that, unless you know there's ancillary things. It doesn't sell like a record. So you don't determine art by how much it sells to other people. You determine art by how much it's worth to you. You understand what I'm saying? And that's what this is. This was that. This was an example of that. Oh, so you're simply saying the NFT represents your ownership in the company. That's it. That's all I've simply said before. You see, the thing about the NFT world is they overcomplicate it all the time <laughs> so that no one understands it, so that you have to pay them to fucking do it for you. Like you're a gallery. If you have your customers, then you're good. Then you can put your shit up and you can market it. And also, if you have enough of a following, then, you know, well, you don't need but so many whales if you're selling it at that level. But if you're doing something mass, you have to understand that's what it is. Only 10% of artists make over 100000 on any drop of all. You got to understand, a lot of people making 1000 here, 1000 here, but they're going to get their money from the resale. That's also the game. So you might put something in the game for $1,000, but if it resells and resells and resells, you're still getting a little 500 to 100 every week. Over and over again. Exactly. Over and over and over. Yeah. So, you know, there's a different way to play the game. You can get that one big lick or you can throw a little bunch of little torpedo bombs out there that give you residual income. So there's a residual income game and there's the one big lick game with residual income later. I have projects with artists like Wyland, projects like Rock Inc., and then projects with people that I'm inspired by that no one knows at all that I'm going to be the one to break. So if you look all over my house, I'll show you. You know, you might see a Warhol, you know what I mean? But you're also going to see an artist that I've shown all over the world, or, you know, in my galleries, like Not Your Muse hanging up. Or, you know, BK the artist. That's this original thing. That Biggie Small, someone had it. That's wow. the original one right there that hung in my gallery. And, you know, you're going to see a Donald Bachelor right there too. You feel me? Yeah. Wow. Wow. But right there, you know, that art and the Black Panther art, I did that one. I showed that in my gallery. Uh, Erica Badu curated that. And then you're going to see current art, books that my wife just made on the wall. I can NFT all this shit. You know what I'm saying? And then you're going to see more art on the wall currently. You're going to see my storyboards for my next movie. You know, all NFTable, everything. The music that's made, the visual, the process, you can NFT anything that is inspiring to you, that someone else can appreciate as much as you. I agree. I think it gives people, it changes what it means to be a fan, right? It gives you not just admiration, but ownership, right? So let me put you on to something. I don't know if this is considered insider trading, but this is the next big thing right here. What? This is Rocky, my wife, and she's the one that did all the art for the fuck you Pay me the uh, all the <laughs> NFTs right now okay. at the Dash Gallery. It's her. 
And she's the creative director of my life and our companies. You know, like I said, she just did this coloring book. I got secret weapons that just grow art. Dusko goes to space. Wow. When are the NFTs dropping? How do we get to the NFTs? I mean, that's the thing. Rocky, let me ask you your advice. What, I have Raquel, the artist. She has all these new coloring books and graphic novels. I'm making comic books, all type of shit. How would you approach it? You know, I put up one of her. Look, if you go to the Dame Dash NFT gallery or the Dash NFT gallery, you'll see the elephants. It's a static. She painted those, and they're sitting in my son's actual room. So, you know, again, there's things we'll do from scratch. You just take that because it's inspired. I throw my music on it. I make it move. Now you got a new piece. And now I'm in the game. I've collaborated. So I get to collaborate with Wyland. You know, it's his art. I can show it to you. It's his art. It's already done. Yeah. Are you going to make Wyland move? Is there going to be motion in Wyland? Because his paintings look fluid. Yes, it's moving. Okay. It's already moving in music. You know, it's done already. Oh, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's done already. Wow. It's done. But we were looking for the right place. And then, you know, he's in Hawaii right now. I went up to, he has a gallery in Laguna. And we hung out. And that's another thing is with me, I'm going to give you for free. If you don't know who Island is, I'm going to educate you. Because I've always done this. With the artists that I showcase in my galleries, I would always have town halls so they could explain their process and the reasons behind what they're doing. And also, if somebody wants to say something, they can talk right to the artist. So I always give a visual that reflects my experience with that artist. Because I'm not just, when I'm curating, I don't want to just see the art. I want to know the art. You know what I mean? I want to go where you paint. And I want to see your process. That's interesting to me. You know what I mean? Do you think there's any threat, though? One of the things I do notice is with DeFi, you know, decentralized finance, kind of overlapping and bleeding into the art world. What you're talking about resonates with me, right? Which is bringing artists up that people don't know about yet and giving them that opportunity and helping educate collectors. But what I see more and more sometimes is people just look at these like stocks or chips and they're just buying and selling and they don't know about the artist, right? Or they don't get as into that, right? Like, do you see that as a threat? Or you think, you know, as long as people like you, you know, are there to help artists tell that story, you know? Yeah, it's a gift and a curse, you know? There's Macy's and there's Bergdorf Goodman. Me? I'm going to be Bergdorf Goodman, but I'll give you a little Bloomingdale's. You know what I'm saying? Like a little high end. But I'm going to make right. something that if you can't afford it, at least you can invest in or you can buy it at a certain price point, maybe a diffusion of it. But, you know, as long as there is a designer line, as long as there's some pure artists there, the bottom line is an in industry, you need the money. And most people that got money are artists and don't give a fuck about art. But you do need their money to survive. So. There's a balance. There's a yin and a yang and everything. There's a dark and a light and everything. You just got to deal with the light over the dark. Yeah, there's a little bit like a Robin Hood thing, right? So, you know, we're helping get some of the money from the rich people to the artists. Yeah, it's like a bad lawyer or a bad doctor. That's f***ed up, you know, but there are good ones or a bad cop. There's always going to be some bad apples in the barrel. It's for the artist to maintain the integrity and not jump for the dollar. Again, in music, I've seen... This happened over and over again. I get in front of an artist that, you know, has been told no by every corporate infrastructure that exists. And they say, F corporate, I'll be independent. I'll never sign. I'll get with them. As soon, as soon as you get with me, you get hot. And, you know, Todd Moskowitz and me on them. 
once you do the work, then they're going to do that bullshit. And then that artist says, I'm going to have to take that because they never saw a million dollars before. You know, when you've never seen a million, if you've been struggling, if you've been trying to survive your whole life, when somebody waves that bag in your face, even if you know it's wrong, even if you know you're getting robbed, a lot of times you want that fast cash. And then that also comes with a piece of your ass. And that's one thing I've never had to sell. You know, I don't sell no ass over here. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's a different store, right? So there will be human beings that are already in the game that will be taking advantage because that's who created the game. If it wasn't for crypto, there would be no real NFT because there would be no real currency to move around. So you can't be mad at the dark money because the dark money is what's fueling the whole thing. It's giving the opportunity. I think the difference is that we need to make sure that we rapidly expand the market to include all those other people. Because right now... You got to control the narrative. So it's good that if you become that CNN or that Wall Street Journal for NFTs, y'all got to stay pure. Because that's what controls everybody. Information is the thing that controls everybody. Awareness. So like I said, a lot of reason why I wanted to kick the door down when I got in the NFT world is so my culture could be aware, like, oh, if Dame's doing it, I better go see. And that's exactly what happened. So as soon as, you know, this thing started to hit the paper, I started getting calls from people that weren't usually calling me about shit like that. Yo, Dame, I need to know about this NFT. What the fuck is that? The what the fuck is that factor? That's what I wanted. I wanted you to ask me. I wanted you to want to know because trying to teach somebody that doesn't want to be taught nothing, it doesn't work. And if you give me a remote control and it does all type of trippy shit, if it's not simple to use, I won't be able to understand and use any of those functions. It don't matter. And that's what NFT is. It's a very simple but complicated remote control that can make your life a lot easier if you know how to use it. But if you don't, then it's just going to sit there and be, you know, it's a waste. So I suggest that everyone that doesn't know, you probably wouldn't be watching this, but I'll probably take it and put it on my Instagram and make sure the world sees what I'm doing just so they could be like, if Dame doing it, I got to do it better. Or if he could do it, I could do it and all of that. And that's my job in the culture. I think that's critical, right? Because we talk so much about decentralization and like Kumbaya and everybody can get into this. But like half the people I talk to, they spend a day trying to figure out NFTs. They're like, I can't figure it out, right? Like the onboarding is so crazy. So we need to work on that and kind of lower the barriers. And I think one way to do that is, you know, people like you with a big follow and telling people like, stick with it. And another part is we just got to make it easier, I think, you know? Let me tell you what I'm doing. So last week, and it's funny, they'll write about me walking into a fucking glass wall, but they won't talk about when I do shit like this. I'm part of a group called the OSG. It's called Off School Grounds, 120 Black Principles. And I give them mentorship, the mentorship that I want them to teach the kids on how to dream, how to be fearless. So I'm trying to teach these principles about the NFT so it can become some sort of curriculum form. That's what I want these kids to understand. Because, you know, the older people like myself, you know, it takes a forward thinker not to be stubborn, you know, to do something different. That's me. I'm always going to be that. I'm 50 and I'm still looking for the way, no matter what. But I really like to invest in the kids. So by the time they become adults, this shit ain't new and they're good at it and it doesn't scare them. And that's what I'm trying to do. I believe that the children are our future. I love that. I have a friend who just put out a project that is his niece who's six years old doing art. And he's 
putting it out and letting other kids push their art into it. It's called Ria's Rascals. It's going to be incredible. But it's getting little kids involved with NFTs. Absolutely. They got to start practicing now. So they should talk to OSG about this because that's that kind of exposure. That's how you get the arts really flourishing. Just let me know when. We got to talk. Yeah, we got to talk about it. That's big. Anything that's, to me, in this chapter of my existence on this planet and how generous the world has been to me culturally, at my age, this is what I got to be doing. I got to be helping those that help me. You know, God put me here for a reason. Legacy. Yeah. Amen. And also to change this f***ing narrative. It's a new day out here. It's the end of the world it has happened, but that means there's a new one coming. It's always like Batman says, it's always the darkest before the dawn. But you want to make sure you're prepared for the dawn. I think you said it. You hinted at it, right? In the, this pandemic, the world ending and this happening now, there's a reason for that. This is leading us to something much better. So, Dame, thank you, man. Thank you. This is, this is going to be good. Thank you.